Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Do 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 do. Well, it's dreary. It's a little colder than it was. I'm tired. Yeah, Ken's but it's... definitely tired. He he fell asleep on the seed cleaner today. It was going. <laughs> it caught his coat. <laughs> pulled terrible. me pulled me right through. Yeah, pulled his shirt right <laughs> off. Or at least that's why he told me he was out of the shop <laughs> with no shirt on. It was 38 degrees. So you know, there was a time when I had I was I was in the shop with no pants on. That is true. And uh, I was scared to death that one of you was going to walk through the door and ask why I was standing there. Why there was no a big pants. old brown stain on the back here. <laughs> no, right. that is not why. I split my pants, <laughs> and I had to use our bag sewer to try and sew them back up real quick. Which I, coincidentally makes them the second person who's ever sewed their clothes with that at thing. Least, <laughs> at least mine was intentional, although it was not my best work. And Dude, those- I don't know if we ever said this on the podcast. So there was a gentleman who accidentally got his clothes. He was working here, accidentally got his clothes <laughs> caught in the sewing machine. And Kent had never met him. And then finally one day he swings by. He's a nice guy. We, you know, he was ch- we always chat when he's he here. He owned it. And he, yeah, he said, hey, my name's so-and-so. I'm the guy who got my who sewed myself to the sewing machine. <laughs> Just first thing. Oh, Man, but- I was trying to make a great transition into being tired and our sponsor, and you just crapped on it like your underwear that day. Oh, and- my goodness. That is not why. It was because I had blown out my pants the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Bending over trying to show on podcast. <laughs> Premium prairie content. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. We are sponsored and gratefully to be sponsored by Wild Rivers Coffee. They are doing a really cool thing. And we recently interviewed one of their co-owners, Marshall. Incredible yeah. guy. I don't Ken, you know the schedule of what we're releasing. When are we releasing that? Well, it kind of depends on what you want to do next with your part two of your water series. Yep, Nicholas. already started it. Hope you guys have been enjoying it. <laughs> Feel not, free to spread not, the love. That's not good news, guys. He just said, I already started it. <laughs> I already started <laughs> this it. could be <laughs> six Well, I've got weeks. the notes drawn out. I've got a bunch of it written, but it's the like splicing it and putting everything together that takes like hours and hours. Oh, yes, it does. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But the good news is I'm probably halfway done with uh, part three. Dude. with uh writing it so it's just like who got the worst grade a d or d minus <laughs> on their test no part three of the prehistoric prayer will be out soon but uh i think this week would be a good week to release marshall's interview cool he um, was an awesome guy yeah he was part of really cool things and and a big part of it was the coffee company they had started and uh, working with benton who had reached out to us originally and been listening to our podcast and, and caught us on it and uh um, and what's interesting is Marshall's in Oregon and mm-hmm. Ben's in Ohio. They're covering a lot of the United States and Kent just ordered some more. And, yeah, I did. Uh, got, got the Colombian roast this time. Got the Colombian roast. Now, I'm not enough of a coffee connoisseur to know, like, when you say Colombian roast, I assume that means you're, like, talking a different breed of coffee beans, right? Or at least even, it may, or maybe even a different uh, species of coffee bean. I'm putting, I was just putting Nick, to I'm putting about Nick this. on the spot right now because he's opening a coffee yeah, shop. Yeah, I am. I my understanding, and I just scheduled a meeting to meet with some roasters about because we have a bunch of different roasters. We'll have like their coffee on our shelves um, to talk about this exact thing. But my understanding is it's the just the region that it's from. That's kind of what I thought it was. It's a lighter coffee. Yeah. So because um, and, and part of the reason is that Ethiopia has a 
you know, they have a climate, they have an uh, ecology that grows coffee a certain mm-hmm. way. And there's only, you know, a handful of places in the world that can even grow coffee. Right. I, I say like there's only 10. There's a bunch of different places, but it's not everywhere, you know. Isn't coffee that comes from Hawaii called Kona? Coffee? Well, Kona's the big island and and there's more real estate to grow coffee but there. But I mean, isn't that what they call like coffee beans that are grown? Isn't it just Maybe. known as Kona coffee I, or something? It, uh, when I looked at a Hawaii blend, because I thought it'd be cool, it was so expensive. So I don't know if that represents all of Hawaii's coffee, because land there is just, you know, it's going to be outrageous. Everyone wants to live there. Nick just sticks with the feline brand. No, I do not <laughs> stick with no feline brand. Ken. Toxoplasmosis no, for the side of coffee. No, we're looking at a bunch of different ones. We're planning on having wild rivers on our shelves, but for our house awesome. blend, we're trying to work locally. You know, yeah, and uh, we've got this really awesome local uh, coffee shop that roasts it in their house in a one town over, and, and they do a great job. Yeah. But we're not announcing anything yet. Yeah. Also, a nice little thing is uh, they—I don't know if they do this for everyone, but they did it for us. Threw in some sweet decals with our coffee. Yeah, and uh, happy to plaster those things on my lunchbox. Also, if you buy uh, um, prairie from the prairie farm, you get. Uh, yeah, we, we just we got just some fresh decals. I know. It took me a while to order those again, but uh, we got some decals, so now everybody gets some stickers with their yeah. with their order. Um, I, but I, it's been long enough, five minutes, and they have not learned a single new thing about Prairie except that one time while Kent was was helping <laughs> How to clean sew your seat, pants yeah, in a pinch. He ripped his pants right <laughs> on off. Okay, so... I'm going first today because last time Kent took the whole freaking time. All right, all right. And I try to not always like give doom and gloom. I try, I try to be conscious of that, right? Because a lot very of news is downer doom and gloom. kind of guy. Yeah, you know me. People just real sad every time <laughs> they talk to me. Uh, but I've got one from very reputable National Institute of Health, NIH.gov, PubMed, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, uh, plastic particles and water bottles. And I hope you guys are ready. So there was a machine that was invented like 15 years ago, and they didn't really use it to uh, to look at how much plastic there was in water bottles. They were using other methods. Well, someone finally did that. Uh, the results were reported on January 8th, 2024. Let's see. The, the article title is Plastic Particles in Water, bo- Bottled Water. So January 8th, 2024. Uh, very recent publishing. Um Guess how many times more, and everyone else, you can guess along with it, and if you get it right, you get pride. Uh, how many times more uh, plastic, in wa- microplastic, nanoplastics in water there were than they found in their, with their previous methods of measuring it? I think you told me this the other day. I'm trying to remember what you I said. Told, I did tell you a number. Ken doesn't listen to anything I say. <laughs> <laughs> well, only your embarrassing stories. I listen to those. Um, and to be fair, it's a very large range of how many multipliers. So it's how, how the, the just so I understand your question, it's how much worse was the, yep. the amount of plastic in the water than they yep. previously had detected or expected? Yeah. Which which is it, detected or, or expected? Uh, previously it's more det- than they had previously detected detected in earlier studies is what it okay. says here more plastic particles than seen so in how much studies. how much worse is it than that yeah are you looking for a percentage or for how a many multiplier times? yeah okay. multiplier i think you said either 15 or 20 that's it's not a bad guess i said seven uh when we were talking the other day because i had forgotten 
Uh, but here's the deal. If we went with Kent's thing, which is a percentage, if there was a 100% increase, that would be two times, right? right? 100% increase. This is 10 to 100 times. So so 10, oh, it's a range. 10 or 10 to 100, yeah, it's a, which is a huge range. Just depending range. on the bottle. But even if it's only 10 times, That's that is a 1,000% more plastic. So I was right on the money. Bottles. I was in that range. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> Nick, 15 Nick, to 20. <laughs> Nick owes me an Oreo fluff. No, no, I don't remember any bet being made. Um, almost all of them are nanoplastics. And the most common is polyamide, polyamide, polyamide. And it's one of the seven major kinds of plastics. Uh, Do you know where polyamide is used in the process? It's not the water bottle. It's the filter they use before they put it in the water. So basically the Mm. water is ripping off pieces of the filter and pulling it into the water bottle. That's the most common kind. And then the next most common is the plastic that is... The, that the water bottles are made of most so, so are these microplastics found only in in you know bottles of water that are sold in the bottled water or is it like is, is it expected that these microplastics are just in the water cycle and so therefore if you're getting water out of the tap you're getting it from, you're buying it in a bottle yeah. is it ever for now they i believe they poured it straight out of the water bottle into these samples uh, from like a sealed water bottle, but it's a very short article. It says in the future, the researchers will apply this approach to analyze more environmental samples, such as top water, indoor and outdoor air samples and tap water. Is that what I said? You said top water. Oh, tap water, indoor and outdoor air samples. So they're going to see how much Hmm, microplastics just in our atmosphere. Yeah, dude. I don't want to know. And biological tissues. So because that stuff like, like metals off of your I bet it I bet it's mostly collecting in our um liver and probably in our kidneys Maybe. where but blood is filtered. The you know the um, like uh non-stick pans, like those little particles of stuff that was on there. That stuff mm-hmm. that doesn't leave your body and a lot of it's so small. Teflon a lot, yeah, but not not just that, even just micro like like um a skillet, like iron like yeah, well, your that, body can use that stuff, iron. That stuff is called Teflon, isn't it? That yeah. those nonstick. Yeah, things? yeah, that that um, it was a company, Dark Waters, isn't that movie about the about the company that was like pouring all these chemicals into this river, and then all these Could people be. were dying downstream. Anyway, the the point being, like that stuff doesn't leave your body. Like you got it in there, it's staying. Yeah. You know, it's not like oh, you can do a de- it just stays. So it's really important when you're in your teens and 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s like it matters all the way through what you're putting in your body yeah i keep telling kent that he likes to chew on the ziploc like ziploc bags when he's done i just asked nick for all of his used plastic so i can just yeah you know, chews on, chew on, on them throughout the and then he swallows it says it'll be fine <laughs> but anyway uh there are microplastics in your water there's 10 to 100 times more than they thought before um and there's a new way that they're measuring it that they feel like is more accurate. And it's like an, a, that part was confusing to me and it was above my brain. But you can go to NIH.gov and look up plastic particles in bottled water and read the full article. Yeah. Did they offer any advice as to how to, how to avoid 
you know, picking up microplastics in your water? Do they, or do they just say, well, I you might want to think no, twice th- about buying bottled water? This this article was written on January 23rd and is very short. And remember, the research results came out on January 8th. So, so there's a lot of follow-up stuff lot, that's going to come. But, yeah, come it's too baby at this, at this moment. I did read they were already – Sorry for the rolling chair sound, guys. I had to no, grab my – Ain't nobody can hear that, right? Uh, but I looked up a bunch – like I was Googling it because I knew this was the topic I want to talk about. Cause I had heard about this article or this um, research coming out and there were already a bunch of local news stations that had reported on it. So the, the word is out. It's kind of like how big of a deal are we going to make it as the public? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's alarming and it's, you know, it's a reminder that there's effects beyond what we can even understand. And, and some, some of the things that we look at, you know, like asbestos, we look at that and we all shake our heads and we go, oh, those fools, what were they doing? But we're doing the, we're doing our own asbestos things right now yeah. that we don't know that yeah. what the the effects are yet. And and um, you know it's a it's a concerning thing to consider to to consider. Um, there's well maybe I'll just leave it there. There's definitely some things that I think apply to to uh, the agriculture world. Carol and I were just talking about this a little bit ago that, you know, could kind of fit into the same, the same, uh, realm of maybe we should rethink some of this stuff, but, um, definitely on the, you know, microplastics being in the water. And, you know, I know from an environmental standpoint, microplastics in our ocean water is a real concern. Um, those giant trash islands and you just look at the the plastic that is still floating in those trash islands, it's all broken up and busted up. And it just makes you wonder, okay, where are all the tiny little fragments? And like, that's part of our water cycle, right? So um, I think it's, you know, probably not super surprising that when you have, you know, commercialized water bottling process that there's going to be microplastics there. But I got to think that just in a lot of our, you know, rivers lakes streams ponds and oceans there's a lot of microplastics there and a quote-unquote natural yeah what will be interesting is if it starts showing up in groundwater like deep artesian Uh, wells something also i need to correct is that i was saying incorrectly microplastics are very small but they're not that you can see them with your eyeball Oh, really? nanoplastics, nanoplastics are, are, are indistinguishable. Like microplastics are the si- big ones are like the size of rice. Small ones start to get where you can't really see them. But nano, they're like the size. Microscopic. Of- yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Size of bacteria, maybe even. Yeah. Now this, uh, this article, uh, says that nanoplastic is the size of some viruses. Wow. Tiny, tiny. Yeah. That yeah. is insane. Anyway, what you got? Yeah. So, uh, last night before I went to bed, um uh i checked my social media account real quick and um i saw a celebrity the person with the biggest podcast in the world i believe posted joe, joe rogan posted um just or Le- a screenshot joe. of a was it lex friedman one of the two um um the 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 post was a screenshot of this article that I came out just recently. And it was, um, so this is the original article. It was an article in Yahoo News. 
um, that which I know is just a news conglomerate that they shared from somewhere else, like maybe the Telegraph or something. I just looked it up. It's Joe Rogan. Um, but uh, they were talking about a study that was published in the journal, scientific journal called Nature Cities, which I think is just like a subsidiary publication of nature, right? One of the most famous uh, scientific journals. And uh, what the article said was, so this is, this is from the Nature Cities publication. It's titled, Comparing the Carbon Footprints of Urban and Conventional Agriculture. And it was published on uh, the 22nd of January. So this is hot off the press. And, of course, when it goes to Yahoo News or whoever else, Yahoo News got it from. You know what? I'll look real quick just because I have it right here pulled up in another tab. Yep, it's from the Telegraph. Yahoo News grabbed it for their their conglomerate of news. Um, uh, their title is Carbon Footprint of Homegrown Food Five Times Greater Than Those Grown Conventionally. And so, like, that's, you know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's an in an inflammatory title there right mm-hmm. uh they're uh, they're hitting on something that we've talked about on this podcast before with you know homesteading and and people having their own garden and taking responsibility for their own food and so essentially University of Michigan as i understand it they researched it they said okay which is more climatically sustainable which there's one thing to focus on here. They're talking only about uh, carbon emissions, right? There's a lot of things that go into being environmentally healthy. So let's, you know, let's, let's consider that here, right? Let's not throw the the baby out with the bathwater, you know? So they, they're just looking at, okay, which is responsible for a bigger carbon footprint, growing your food in a, and they only targeted urban gardens. So they didn't talk about like the garden out in my yard out in the country. Right. Mm -hmm. They're talking, you know, like a city community garden is all that they addressed in this study. And essentially according to them and the way that they were measuring carbon use in, you know, per produce item. Right. So like for one carrot, this is, the carbon, you know, the carbon footprint of growing that one carrot in a urban community garden or even, a, you know, someone's garden in their yard in an urban area, I guess, or versus growing uh, that carrot in a giant field, you know, I'm not sure which state is, does, most, you know, or states do most of our carrot production. I think those are kind of a cooler, cooler, uh, hmm. That isn't. I would just a cooler assume climate. California. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like somewhere kind of like Idaho or maybe the Dakotas or something like that. Maybe Minnesota. But anyways, they they looked at that comparison, and uh, according to their results, which we can talk about here in a second, how they got these. California grows eighty five percent of all carrots grown in the United States. Uh, AgMRC.org. Oh, you're right. So, Northern California, I wonder. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
we don't we don't have, it doesn't matter yeah but but uh so they they compared that and you know as this says it across the board well maybe i shouldn't say across the board but in, in almost all cases and they had they had uh um, a study going on in the UK, a study going on in France, a study going on in the United States, and I think one other place. I don't remember where the other place was, but um, and and it in most cases was found that in these urban gardens there was a greater demand for carbon to get that carrot to grow than in the and i'm just using carrot for sake of example i think like tomatoes they actually found that tomatoes grown in in an urban garden setting actually had a lower carbon footprint than than conventionally grown uh tomatoes wait so you said that kind of confusingly you're saying that carrots grown in a garden on average um produce more carbon in the atmosphere than if they were grown so not the carrot itself but like the, the process, but what of it represents, right? But exactly. per carrot, more carbon right. is released in the atmosphere in gardens than they are in right. industrial. And I'm just using carrot as an example. They didn't specifically. I don't. Maybe they did, but I, it it wasn't so much which specific ones. Like that's I think the next phase of their study, and they did a little bit of that because they did talk about that with tomatoes, but they just said by and large more carbon footprint for that. And what what you know like that that bothers me to like hear that, you know, it makes me want to like, I want to, you know, I want to wrestle with that and, and try and prove them wrong. And, uh, but like at the same time, try and look at, okay, what, what could they be getting at here? Um, and they mentioned that there's a lot. So one of the measures for this was the infrastructure needed for growth. And they talked a lot about people building like garden sheds and building uh, raised bed gardens and, you know, putting in all this extra stuff that goes into having an an urban garden, right? Mm -hmm. And, okay, I get it. You're going to do that. But to me, and, and I looked through the study here, and granted, this is, you know, the one that's available online is... I don't think the full detailed thing, you know, it does, it, it did take quite a while to read through it and it had charts and graphs and, and all these different points and everything. But, um, <clears throat> you know, if you're going to talk about that kind of infrastructure for, if you're going to go to that level for somebody who's got an urban garden, okay, you're building the, the raised beds you're so that's that means you had to use wood okay where'd you get your wood from okay where did that mm-hmm. store get the wood from if you're gonna do that if you're gonna if you're gonna go to that level then i think you absolutely need to do it for every aspect of both right mm-hmm. okay you're you're using a tractor well where's where's a tractor made oh how many parts are in a tractor how many people did it take to make that tractor how much fuel did they have to use on average to get to work every day to make that tractor and i think if they went to that level i don't think the results personally i don't think the results would be the same um i also went you know so that was my first like seemingly glaring thing they did talk about transportation which i thought was good they said so okay you know the argument's going to be conventional ag you're growing tomatoes in california and you're eating them in um you know we'll say maine 
right? How do you get those tomatoes there? That's going to have a huge carbon. And they talked about that. Even in some cases, flying mm-hmm. this produce around. Um, <clears throat> and so it, even still, it was still lower, a lower amount. So I don't think, like I wasn't convinced by what I read, and I, I tried really digging through. I wasn't convinced that they were totally fair with mm-hmm. the standard that they held especially the infrastructure part of their, and I know this is kind of confusing how I'm telling it people, but I'm trying to really paraphrase a giant study here. Um, The infrastructure aspect of how they gauge the carbon footprint of these things. um, I just didn't feel like it was, it was all encompassing. I didn't get that feeling that it was totally fair and how they measured that for the conventional side. Hmm. Um, So I don't totally buy it, a good takeaway I think from it is, and they mentioned this, uh, those urban gardens become more beneficial. The more people are willing to use like recycled stuff and be conscientious about like trying to take care of, like when you make a raised bed, try and get multiple, you know, get a lot of growing years out of that, you know? Yeah. Um, try and well, that's the- source your compost for your soil fertilizer try to source that locally as as locally as possible instead yeah, of driving maybe from way your out, own house or yeah or driving way out to the if you're in the city and driving way out to the countryside to go get it off of an organic farmer and then you know you're spending all that transport you know all that fuel going back and forth yeah. running back and forth to the hardware store to get nails and screws yeah. and that's that's part of the whole point though is that is that mass production becomes more efficient it right. seems like so so if and that you, makes sense too. If you pile on years and years, or make bigger structures, you know, if you have a uh, fifteen hundred or uh, twenty square foot versus a fifteen hundred square foot field of bell peppers, well, the bell peppers and the twenty square foot one are going to cost way more carbon right. per bell pepper because you just have less. You know, you you had more trips, you had <clears throat> uh, you had more in between time that. Uh, diversity can can really kill you but then at the same time like like ag mass producing ag is is the reason we can have civilization i was like civilization started forming around mass produced ag well i mean i don't think you need to say mass mass produced ag is not responsible for civilization ag is responsible for civilization well what i mean by that is mass produced than, than someone needs because well, ag could, okay, ag yeah. is like just gardening, <clears throat> right. but mass mass ag would be gardening for you and your ten neighbors. So now we have a town, and your other okay, yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna define it. it that way, sure. That's yeah. what I mean. Not like twenty thousand dollars or twenty thousand acre ginormous places. I'm talking like right. you know just just more than I need. Hopefully enough for what a bunch of people need. Right. You know, but then, uh, you know, there there's a point where it's too big, and then where's that point? I have no idea. Well, and again, this is only focusing on carbon emissions, which are important um, to consider. But if you listen to Nick's water quality episode, you'll learn that there's a lot more to it that causes a lot more problems than just how much how how much greenhouse gas do we have in our atmosphere um, currently. There's there's a, a lot of other factors. Like that's a long term problem, mostly, right? Yeah, and it's a serious long term problem. And and it's going to shape the future for us here, but also our kids and our grandkids. However, we also need to be worried about 
worried about the here and now effects as well. Yeah. Our water quality issues that affect our health now are the the microplastics in the environment, the, yeah. Did you the amount of nitrates and and, and Did you, phosphates in in our water causing dangerous algal blooms. Yeah. Did you listen to Lex Friedman interview Jeff Bezos? I did not know. Je- Jeff Bezos explained because he got you know he got so much hate for building all those rockets and starting a rocket company when there's like people starving and you know yada yada what, what uh, people complain about rich people doing and but he gave a very compelling argument. I'm not necessarily a huge Jeff Bezos fan. I just yes, you liked are. his argument. Yeah, Nick big, has a Jeff Bezos tattoo on his big, lower back. Big crush on Jeff Bezos. I just feel like he's the best looking dude in the world. <laughs> no, I um, likes the head shine. <laughs> oh man um he uh basically he was saying that in all ways human quality of life has grown in every measurable way in incredible amounts past 100 200 years he's like even 50 years if anything that's measurable infant mortality lifetime expectancy uh the um lifetime expectancy after disease like you know he's like any metric you want any um advanced metric you want to take he said, except one glaring thing, and that is the earth is dying under us. And he said, the only way we keep the only way we keep our quality of life um, growing and keep the earth from just like falling apart is we have to get off the earth. And his point is not like is like we all need to leave it and, and like leave it to be. He's like, but one day the, the earth is going to be like. He didn't say prairie reserve, but it's going to be like a prairie reserve. You know, you're going to go there to experience what, what, and and he's like, there's going to be a trillion humans across the uh, solar system, and we're going to live on giant space stations, and talked about why it's even possible to live on the moon, went to the science of that. But anyway, my point was, he seemed very aware of, uh, which is crazy, because I don't know if anybody has shipped anything more than Jeff Bezos, you know what I mean? Um, But, uh, you know, he seemed aware of, of that. And instead of doing something in the small term, he is looking at such a macro level. He says, no, our only way is getting out of this is getting into space. Not that I agree with that. You have to, you have, and so, you know, a lot of people wanted to, you read the comments on, especially there is no comment section on the nature cities journal article, right? Their comments are going to be on the Yahoo news site Mm -hmm. or on joe rogan's post a lot of hate there and like i you know i (laughs) it felt good to read right like this is you know this is garbage but i think there is some stuff even when we have to read the things we don't want to read like you you know where where are some lessons that can be learned in that i think just because you're doing something that that is good in a lot of ways doesn't mean that you can't do it better you know Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably the biggest lesson here. I do think that people should have their own gardens. I do think that the, in a lot of cases, the food that comes out of your own garden is a better quality version of that yeah. food item. Just like, uh, you know, the same thing can be said for, you know, confinement raised eggs versus, um, you know, free range raised eggs, you know, yeah. there, there's a difference there. And you're We're, more connected to it. Right. We're going to have these guys on soon, Matt and Mitch from Ancestral Farms, uh, who uh, do they, they raise pork the old fashioned way. And uh, we're going to talk about the, you know, the difference there between the quality yeah. of meat they're raising versus uh, what you're going to find in, in, you know, most supermarkets. So, yeah. Well, this has been fun. 
Uh, don't forget, we're sponsored by Hawks and Native Seeds. If you need any seed, go to theprairiefarm.com or Hawks and Native Seeds. Uh, and if you're looking for coffee and you want to help conservation at the same time, which I know all yeah. of you have had that thought, how can I save the world while drinking this cup of coffee? You now have the opportunity. Wild Rivers. Wild Rivers. Wild Rivers Coffee Company. 